0: When Biomarin failed to win U.S. Food and Drug Administration approval for its experimental Duchenne muscular dystrophy drug, Drisoperson, it decided to cease development. Though there were concerns about both the safety and efficacy of the drug, there were patients who participated in the clinical trials who felt they had benefited from it. Cure Duchenne established CD Access, a new nonprofit that negotiated a novel agreement with Biomarin to get control of the existing supply of Drisoperson, which the nonprofit is now distributing to patients in Canada who participated in the clinical trials. We spoke to Deborah Miller, CEO and founder of Cure Duchenne and CD Access, about the program, how it works, and whether it serves as a model for getting other similar drugs to patients in the future. As a matter of disclosure, Biomarin is a client of Levine Media Group, the producer of this podcast. Deborah, thanks for joining us.
1: Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you very much.
0: We're going to talk about Duchenne Muscular Dystrophy, a special access program for Duchenne patients in Canada who participated in a clinical trial to receive a drug that failed to win regulatory approval, and and whether the CD access program may serve as a model for other drugs in the future. Let's start with some context, though. For people not familiar with Duchenne, What is it? How rare is it? What's the prognosis for patients today? And what therapies are available?
1: So Duchenne muscular dystrophy affects mostly boys, and it um, affects about one out of every 5,000 male births. So it's one of the larger rare diseases. It's a degenerative and progressive muscle disease. So the, the boys are born for the most part, seeming pretty normal, and then they start missing milestones of development. And um, many times they're uh, they lose the ability to walk by ten or twelve years old, and in the late teens require um, help for normal things like feeding and brushing your teeth. Um, and historically, the life expectancy has been between eighteen to twenty five years, but due to better care and more knowledge about cardiac care and respiratory care, um, that, that life expectancy has been expanded.
0: Your organization, Cure Duchenne, funds promising therapies through a venture philanthropy model. You were one of the backers of Presenza, which was eventually acquired by BioMarin. The company was developing a so-called exon-skipping drug for Duchenne. What led to the investment in Presenza, and what did that investment mean to the company?
1: So this was back 2004, and we had really just opened the doors of the organization. And we were doing um, our due diligence with our scientific advisors trying to find the, the best research that might make a difference for this generation of boys, including our son, Hawkins. And Exxon skipping was pretty novel back then for the treatment of Duchenne. And it really was one of the few things that showed promise. So we invested 1.3 million dollars um, into ProSensin when they were just a very very tiny startup organization, and they um, were able to eventually get venture capital funds and license the technology to GSK. And unfortunately, um, GSK and the, the phase three trial did not uh, did not do well, and so ProSenza retained uh, the rights to the drug and decided that they really believed that they had a drug here. And what they were seeing, and many of the patients and the parents were seeing, was that this drug did seem to be working on at least some of the boys. And so they um, they continued to develop it with the intention of filing an NDA um, to get approval from the FDA. And, um, and BioMarin ended up buying the, the company back in um, January of 2015.
0: Even though the drug dress... Dressa person, later renamed Kondressa, failed to win regulatory approval. The investment was a a winner for Cure Duchenne, which had an exit when Biomarin acquired the company. There there were safety concerns as well as questions of FSK, but you did speak at the FDA uh, advisory committee hearing encouraging uh, approval of the drug. What was the case you made for approval?
1: So, we worked really closely with a lot of the families that had their kids in this trial. And um, unfortunately, because of GSK coming in and taking over the drug and then uh, relinquishing the drug, the kids had been kind of on the drug and off the drug and then back on the drug. And it was really difficult to get a real fair assessment on the effectiveness. But what we saw are the boys that tended to, um, that, that started getting the drug earlier and had been on the drugs the most consistently, seemed to be doing much better than the other kids. And the parents were big believers. The physicians um, were very supportive of the drug, And um, and the boys seemed to be doing really well. Um, unfortunately, the, the study was conducted in, you know, 20, 22 countries. And um, it, it, was, it was a very difficult trial to, to fairly get an assessment. But the boys that I saw at ADCOM and got to know, I was impressed. I was really impressed with how well they were doing. There were some safety concerns, uh, mostly with um, skin injection site reactions. And some of them, you know, they they ran the the spectrum from zero um, side effects there to some extremely serious uh, skin skin infections and reactions. Um, Fortunately, um, you know, IV administration eliminates that. And, but because, because the trial was conducted under a certain protocol, they couldn't go back and redo it um, and, and change the treatment procedure.
0: Well, what is CD-Access?
1: So, so because we felt so strongly that this drug should have been approved and we had families um, around the world that were devastated when, um, when they failed to meet FDA approval and EMA approval, um, we, we had many families coming to us just saying it can't happen again, my kid. Um, we've been through this once before. We saw, we saw our son doing better and then declining when he's pulled off the drug and we just can't go through that again. So, um, we, you know, had, had worked with, with Biomarin and asked them if there was a possibility that they could continue treating the kids that were on the trial. And it was not a possibility for them, um, just for, for a lot of different reasons. Um, as, as most companies uh, would, would find themselves in the same position. And so we, we I, I'm not sure whether they offered or we, we asked, but we basically went through a year procedure of setting up a company. It's a, it's a nonprofit organization called CB Access, which we, um, we, we put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into developing the infrastructure and everything from insurance to pharmacovigilance to shipping to storage to just you know more things that I ever knew went into storing and delivering drugs. And not not only that, but but talking with the clinician. And then um, in 2016, when Sarepta's drug tebipasiran got approved, um, Biomeris made the decision, and, and wisely, that they did not want to be in a competitive situation where there is um, an approved drug, and that they very graciously stepped out and said, um, this is to has an approved drug, and that's what the kids should be on. And so, at that point, they said, um, you know, that CV Access could deliver the drug to patients outside of the U.S. And so, basically, what they did is they they transferred their drug supply to CureDishen, or excuse me, to CV Access, and we now are the um, the the, the deliverers of the drug um, to these patients in Canada. And Canada was the first. The first geography to address um, for a lot of reasons. The, we, we knew the patients there, and um, Health Canada was, was actually very easy to work with. They have a, a program called Special Access Program, which um, I don't know that they've done something exactly of this sort, but um, they were very extremely easy to work with. The clinicians were very open, and the patients were just very grateful to get back on drugs.
0: Are you aware of any other program that's tried something like this before, or are you chartering new territory?
1: I don't know if anybody else has done this. I mean, there's you know this compassionate use program, but normally um, either expanded access or compassionate use, or when there's a drug that's either in development or um, approved and you know off label. I don't know that there is. Um, a model where there's been a drug that had ceased to be under development, um, and and that was part of the problem. That was part of the challenge is, um, you know, working with regulators and clinicians when when there's not a development plan for this drug. But I think the the families were strong enough in their and their um, outreach to clinicians that that Health Canada um, agreed to to let these kids have the drug.
0: Cure Duchenne is obviously interested in in seeing treatments reach patients, but this doesn't exactly seem like a, a natural evolution mm-hmm. for what you do. Uh, what was the internal discussion? How did it come about?
1: Well, yeah, it is. It is a little different. However, you know, our mission is to you know save these kids and do what we can to get treatment to them. And I really can't think of anything more important for an advocacy organization to do than actually deliver drugs to the kids that it can help. So, you know, we've done a lot of things in tradition that I'm, I'm proud of. I have to say this is one thing that is really near and dear and very special to my heart because these patients have gone through so much, sacrificed so much, and, um, and it, it, it just makes me very, very happy to know that um, they are, are going to be receiving a drug. And it, it's hard to know at this point so much time to ask, you know, what the result will be or how beneficial it will be. But the kids in Canada excuse me, the kids in Canada do not have any other options right now. So so I'm I'm just very pleased about it.
0: you mentioned that the drugs not being made available in the US because there is an approved drug with the sereptor approval, but why like Canada? Is there other markets that you may try to expand to or is this something that was just Easy to do in Canada.
1: So, um, we had talked to um the the trial sites in in Europe, and um the, the problem there is, I think any drug developer knows is you've got to deal with each company or each country individually, and um and there just didn't seem to be as big of an appetite. And I do believe that um there's conversation about other companies going there, for, perhaps. For passionate user, actually, you know, enrolling clinical trials there. So um, there, there didn't seem to be um, as much of an appetite with, with the clinicians over there.
0: Uh, how exactly does the program work? How does a, a patient get drug?
1: So this is limited only to patients that had participated in the Drisophorus clinical trial. And basically they, they contact um, their physician that um, you was know, the PI for the trial and let them know that they want to be on the drug. And then um, I, I believe that we have covered everybody up there that, um, that wants to be in the program. And we already have two clinics online that are actually treating patients. We are delivering drug, I think, in the next week or so to a third site. And then there's a, a fourth site that we have yet to open that should be coming online very soon.
0: Well, Biomarin discontinued development of the drug, as you mentioned, it's no longer producing it. What was that conversation with the company like to get the drug and how much of a supply do you actually have?
1: We actually have uh, quite a big supply. We will have to have it retested um, as time goes on for stability testing um, because of expiry date. But we have we have quite a big drug supply. Um, we, you know, fortunately in, in Health Canada, um, it's a single-payer system there and so the clinical costs are covered. The, the drug is Free of charge, so there's no there's no cost to the patient, and um, so it's it's just a, a very very wonderful situation.
0: Are doctors doing anything to monitor these patients because of the safety concerns?
1: Oh yes, yes. There's a whole whole protocol of safety testing, um, blood tests, urine um, monitoring. We have um, a company. That is doing all the pharmacovigilance. That is doing a formal, re- <laughs> formal reporting system. So um, we're, you know, we we, they the, the physicians that have treated these boys for a long time and were part of the clinical trial have a long history of working with this drug and um, absolutely know which which safety signals to look out for.
0: So there, there's a small population and a, and a good supply of drug, but at at some point I imagine this supply is going to be exhausted. What will the patients do? once it's exhausted, and, and what's the case for doing this?
1: So I think that um, we, we have a pretty good runway um, for, for these kids. Um, the the cost that will be incurred will not be the cost of the drug or the, the clinician. The expensive part for finding will be um, maintaining the supply through the storage, the shipping, the stability testing, and for that we will be needing to go out and do some fundraising probably starting next year.
0: But in terms of of the, the case for doing this, is it to buy these patients' time ultimately?
1: Yes, absolutely. I mean, so this drug was never believed or thought that it was going to be a cure by any means, but something that would hopefully slow down the progression of the disease. So um, as we are waiting, hopefully, for more powerful exon-skipping drugs or gene therapy drugs to come online, we're hoping that this could at least buy these these boys a little bit of time.
0: So is this a model that can be applied to other drugs? Is this something that can be done in other countries or with potentially other DMD drugs that that come your way in the future?
1: Absolutely. Um, Like I said, it it was a full-time job practicing on top of everything else. To set up this structure, there is a lot more to it than I anticipated, but we've, we've gone through it and we do have a structure and an entity set up that we we do have the, the, the capability of taking on other drugs to distribute um, should that need arise.
0: Deborah Miller, CEO of Cure Duchenne and CD Access. Deborah, thanks so much for your time today.
1: Okay, thank you so much.
0: Thanks for listening.